Um, they did not notice any extreme needs at the border crossing, no visible, visible medical needs, uh, but they did notice um, uh, that the people were shell-shocked, uh, they were emotionally distraught, and uh, we had uh, some of our staff uh, meet them and pray with them and, uh, and just uh, talk to them to see how they were doing. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham. And you just heard an update from one of our disaster assistance response team leaders on the ground in Poland. He and several others deployed immediately. And what people don't know is how much preparation is required back at headquarters at Samaritan's Purse and how busy they are launching this response. The world's eyes are on Ukraine. And if you're like me, you're glued to the news, you're getting updates constantly and searching for ways to pray and get involved. And so here on the podcast, we wanted to pause from our normally scheduled episodes and we wanted to just show you what's required to launch a response. And at the end of the episode, you'll get to hear from one of our leaders on the ground as he's assessing the most urgent needs. But first, I sat down with Dave Holtower. He's leading up the response from our international headquarters here in North Carolina. We talked about the current response and what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, I'm Dave Holtzauer. I uh, am the director of the International Disaster Response Unit. And so right now I'm overseeing the our, uh, the Emmet that is responding to the crisis in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to talk about today. But before we even do that, Emmet, can you explain to us what that is? Yeah. It's something that Samaritan's Purse, how we were able to uh, respond and activate. But yeah, maybe describe that to people who don't know. Sure. So the IMIT, uh, we have a lot of acronyms. The IMIT is the incident management team. So anytime a disaster happens around the world, uh, we stand up what we just say an IMIT. And that essentially means uh, the method of managing a disaster response Mm -hmm. from IHQ to support uh, the team in the field. And so that team here, the IMIT team, is comprised of, you know, a response manager. Uh, We have an information officer, someone doing travel, someone that uh, does staffing, uh, finance. So you have all these different components uh, that are representative from the ministry, you know, mm-hmm. IT, legal. So we have all of those people that helps manage different parts of the, uh, of, uh, the response that will enable the team to go out to the field. You know, I think everyone has been surprised at the scope and, the, uh, and how quickly things have happened. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're in the sense of we, we plan for people to be going in the surrounding countries. Um, and so I don't think we ever predicted um, how quickly it would move. And then also now, you'd never, I don't think we predicted the resistance that would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so normally, you know, for example, we, we knew that in a situation like this, you're going to have more women, children, elderly leave. Uh, I don't think we predicted that there would be a, you know, a conscription said like you men are not allowed to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that was a new one for us. Uh, and to say, you know, doctors and nurses must stay behind and support our hospitals. Um, so there's, I think there's been some variables. And then obviously the sort of groundswelling of support from the world has just mm-hmm. been pretty amazing at, at how they have uh, reacted. And um, our teams are are ready. We, you know, when a situation like this, it, all the variables that could happen but we can usually count on the needs being the same. You know, people fleeing generally need, you know, warm clothes or food or water, shelter. Um, So I think, you know, medical treatment. So go anywhere in the world, a war happens, pretty solid chance you're going to need those things. So, you know, I think Samaritan's Purse has done this long enough where we can generally 
predict what's going to happen. And another another piece that is helpful is partnerships. You know, they said there's over 3,200 churches in Ukraine alone, but then, you know, not mentioning our uh, affiliate in Germany, Poland. I mean, we just have lots of networks. And so talk to me about how the local church and your connections through Operation Christmas Child and other, you know, projects that we do, how has that been helpful? And how have you watched the body of Christ rise up? Yeah, I think people have responded in amazing ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one neat thing about Samaritan's Purse is we're active in so many parts of the world and we never know how those, like how God's using these opportunities Mm -hmm. to rise up in times of challenge. You know, I think, uh, like you said, I think it's 3,200 in Ukraine and then you also include Poland, Romania, Moldova. So now we're just in a position of saying, all right, how do we, how do we organize all of these people who want to assist in some capacity and do it in a way that, um, where again, it's not necessarily for Samaritan's purse to get credit. It's the it's the uh, the ability to build up the church and say, watch the church respond. And and so when people, obviously, you know, there's every, every disaster happens, we leave. You know, Samaritan's purse leaves, mm-hmm. and we if these churches are left behind. And and so if we can help build them up so that people remember that it was such and such church mm-hmm. that helped them in the time of need. You know, I think that's a really awesome thing. Uh, that you know, it's not for our glory. It's it's and not for the church's glory either, but it's for God's glory that mm-hmm. can be attained through, you know, the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And do you have any? I mean, I guess I'm just wondering. And every country is probably different, depending on how far away they are from the border. And but have you talked to any church partners, or you know, what are they seeing? Um, what are they praying? How how like do you have any stories or just even testimonies from mm-hmm. some of your contacts that you can share? Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I, I I worked with a woman in Ukraine in 2015 uh, who who was an amazing partner, and uh, and she she messaged me when when all this was started to happen, and she just said, you know, pray for our family. Um, and I said, are you are you leaving? You know, are you going to be leaving Ukraine? And she said, no, absolutely not. Like this is our this is our country. Um, you know, and that's not a it's not an easy thing for someone to say. You know, she's got a daughter who is. 38 weeks pregnant and um, concerned that they're not going to be able to get to a hospital in time for a birth if that were to happen. And so right now they're they're living in the hallway of their building because they can't get to the bomb shelter in the basement uh, because down there, you know, her daughter, there's no windows, there's no bathroom. So you can't get out. You can't, uh, you know, so she's worried that she won't be able to breathe and something happened to the baby. And so right now they're just praying that, uh, that in some way they'll be able to get to a hospital, you know, if she gives birth within a week or two. Um, so you you think about the the stress and just on a person who's in good normal health in a situation like this, and then you put someone who's about to have a baby, just changes the entire uh, way you look at it, you know. And I'm 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 at home holding. I have a new baby, and I look at her and think, how in the world would personalizing for me where it's like I'm sitting here in a very comfortable place on my couch, you know, and trying to imagine what would I do in a situation like that where uh, someone is looking at their almost newborn baby and and trying to decide, do I stay? Do I go? Do I leave my husband? Mm -hmm. Do I, how do I get food? How do I get medicine? Where would I go if I left? I mean, these are questions that I've never even remotely had to consider. And and now people are having to do that. And that's just one of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. millions of people who are trying to make those same decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's just hard. You see stories on the news. You see, I know my kids are just watching what people choose to bring, you know. But, yeah, that's, that's. do I stay? Do I go? How long am I leaving? How, I, oh, I can't imagine being pregnant and going through labor um, in a basement, being bombed and shelled. Um, I think that helps us to be able to pray a little better. Um, you know, obviously, news is changing every day. Samaritan's Purse is always ready to respond. But you mentioned um, the variables are different, you know, but the needs are often the same. And Samaritan's Purse, the, what we bring is always the same, the gospel. After talking to Dave, I wanted to go down and see the incident management team for myself. Stepping into the Emmett room was truly organized chaos. There were dozens of monitors, maps, TV news stations, and people making calls. It was the hub of what we do for a response. And despite the chaos, everybody was so focused on their task at hand. Every day, they're scheduled calls from the field, and they're able to give updates on how our teams are working. Uh, we had meetings uh, at high-leveling gov- government with the Minister of the Ministry of Health and the Prime Minister of the country, exploring how we might meet the need medically and through uh, non-food item dis- distributions. What our teams are seeing on the ground. There was definitely shock and, and just deep sorrow. And ways to take action. Um, and we are preparing to do a distribution tomorrow. And the team also took the chance to stop and pray. We pray, Father, that you draw near uh, to those who are suffering today, Father. Um, We pray that you draw near to those um, who have lost family or are uncertain about where their family is today. Um, Draw near to them with your spirit, uh, wherever they may be. And we ask for just continual grace and peace. We had the chance to go around and hear the logistics of what people are working on and how they prepare to send people, supplies, and possibly a field hospital. Yeah, so my name is Steven Sneed, and right now I'm working on behalf of the communications department on the incident management team. I'm sort of a liaison between departments. Depending on the nature of the response, the emit, uh, the adrenaline is often pumping pretty high. People are in and out. Everyone is trying to stay in their lane, but at the same time, it's taking a lot of coordination. So people are, you know, shouting questions across the room, trying to get very quick details to come together very quickly so that we can get information out. Um, the phone is ringing, keyboards are clacking, um, it's, it's high pressure, sometimes the temperature gets hot quickly because there's so much movement and depending on how it goes, it ebbs and flows, it'll slow down for portions of the day and then when we get some information that we need to move on quickly, the energy really picks up and you can feel that uh, almost immediately. Today was actually a pretty eventful day. We had interviews coming in throughout the ministry, people wanting to hear about our response and how it's developing, how we're going to be assisting people in the Ukraine and surrounding countries. So I was dealing with a lot of news reporters today, trying to connect them with members of the ministry, uh, updating them on our current efforts, while also updating my team on what's happening with the response and how it's developing. So my name's Hannah Westergren, and I'm the program coordinator. So I'm helping facilitate any type of communications with potential partners um, and whatever else Dave really needs help with as response manager. I think the most surprising thing of this response is that it's so different in regards to it's it's literally a war zone, and we don't know what's going to happen next. Like when we have a response with a hurricane, 
um, SP usually goes in and we say, okay, we're going to distribute NFIs and give food or we're going to do shelter. But with Ukraine, there's so many different border crossing points and um, countries that are involved and it's so global that we don't know how we're going to respond yet and we're still assessing that. So I think it's surprising in the fact that um, yeah, it's it's so new for us to be able to step into a context that's way more global and really unknown at this point. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest prayer request that I've seen for this response and also ones in the past is discernment. Um, there are a lot of opportunities that SP has. We can partner with different people. We can distribute different items. We can be in certain locations. And I think discernment for leaders making that decision is important because we don't know how it's going to impact people on the ground. Um, and also, God gives us this opportunity to share the gospel in such a war-torn area. And so knowing how to best do that is really important. So I would say the most critical need for the Emmet um, is discernment. Uh, my name is Andrew White, and full-time I'm a specialist for the incident management team with the International Disaster Relief Unit. Um, and on this incident management team, or IMIT, I'm serving as information officer. Um, so information officer puts together information both from internal sources, so our team on the field, and then combing the web for um, articles and updates um, from open, open source um, websites and from um, UN and other humanitarian actors to just compile all that information, find what's relevant, and highlight that for leadership, and then write daily reports um, to leadership and that go around the organization and externally if asked to do that as well. And when I don't do cycles are like 24-7, so I see food in here. Does your team, are you here, all, what are your hours? I mean, does it ever stop? Um, our hours... There's no set hours right now. We're just here as needed. Um, we have been working through the weekend, and we um, are here in the office um, as it's needed and then um, still available working from home throughout the evening. So um, on my phone, checking the news before I go to sleep and when I wake up for this response in particular. But, uh, yeah, just on the clock. To close, we thought it'd be good for you to hear from a familiar voice on our podcast, Ken Isaacs, our Vice President of Program and Government Relations. He's currently in Poland leading the team, and he gave us an update. And things are ever-changing by the minute, but we wanted you to hear his voice in ways that our team is preparing to respond. Can you hear me all right? Is We're picking you up great. Okay. So I am in um, Krakow, Poland. And it's about uh, two hours to the border areas. I have not been everywhere up and down the border, but I know that there are seven crossing points. And I know that there, uh, yesterday, I think, where 52,000 people came across the border into Poland. It's very interesting to be here. We're working with the officials to uh, try to set off food and water to help them uh, relieve the situation a little bit and we'll put some blankets out but just to do some kind of care for them during that transition um we're also looking at um the possibility of establishing a, a clinics in a couple of places that i can't mention and um a, a, a tier two hospital also in a place that i can't mention um 
so that that's sort of what we're doing. We're networking with uh, pastors. Uh, we're networking with uh, uh, OCC churches that are inside the Ukraine to see what we can do. But access is an issue. And um, on the western side of Ukraine, where we are right now, it's you know, relatively calm. But uh, on the eastern side, uh, there's uh, heavy fighting, and um, uh, we're just trying to see what doors open for us and uh, go through those doors. And we pray, God, if we've gone through the wrong door, please close it. And can you talk about the Samaritan's Purse teams that are you know, spread out? Can you talk about how they're doing and what they're seeing as they're anticipating a response? What we're trying to do right now is to stay centrally positioned so that we can um, identify the exact locations where we would set up to work and then figure out geographically where we need to position ourselves as far as housing and vehicles and, you know, all of the sort of boring, mundane things that make it all work. Um, but we need to, we're meeting with uh, different officials right now, uh, trying to figure that out and get permissions and, and so forth. And we're making some progress on that. The team is doing good. Uh, they're in good spirits. Uh, everybody's working hard. Uh, they've just arrived. Uh, so, but the, the team is excited and, uh, we're all moved by, uh, to be honest, about the, um, the the compassion of uh, the the Polish people in in receiving and welcoming and helping uh, the Ukrainians who are fleeing their country, and we've seen um, and heard stories. I've heard more stories than I've seen of um, uh, Polish people that just take their van and they go to the border. And they wait until some people come across and they say, hey, can we take you up? Where can we take you? What can we do for you? And so I'm sure, you know, the plans are ever-changing. You're in the fluid stages of making plans and preparation. But what, yeah, you mentioned medical. What are the true needs right now? I think everybody is just gripped to the news, wanting to help, wanting to pray and advocate. What are you seeing as the, the biggest needs? I think the biggest need right now is medical equipment and supplies. Uh, to go into Ukraine. And that's for the civilian population. I think there's uh, heavy, a lot of people getting injured, you know, and uh, the medical system is overwhelmed. The the economy in the country has stopped. Um, Air flights have stopped. So supply lines for routine logistics of getting things that uh, would normally be used, uh, that stopped. Uh, My anticipation is that in you know, two weeks, four weeks, um, food's going to become an issue in some areas. Um, I, I don't know what kind of stockpiles they have there, but um, I'm participating in talks uh, about food needs and uh, general supply needs. The war is a horrible thing. So um, we want to do what we can. We want to get where we can. Uh, we want to help in Jesus' name. It is a uh, blessing to uh, come to a place like this during a time like this and God has given us resources and team members and skills and equipment that we can come and make uh, such a major response to help in Jesus' name. That That's not a small thing. That is an extraordinary thing. And um, through God's blessing, 
we're able to do things that a few years ago we could not have even dreamt of doing. As we close, I hope this allowed you to pray more specifically and strategically for the people of Ukraine, for the surrounding countries that that welcome and embrace them, and for the fighting that is going on. And I just want to close with, with some hope and encouragement that I was given today. At our staff devotions, they shared a video that was sent from one of our church partners, one of our Operation Christmas Child team leads that is in Ukraine. And she sent a video saying that even though they had intense bombing overnight, a lot of them didn't sleep well, they were rattled, they still came to church the next day. And it was a smaller group than normal, but many still came. And they had a classroom with a couple kids that came to do The Greatest Journey, which is the Bible study that is given out after people receive Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. They can do a 12-week study. And so they came because it was, it was their day to do a lesson, and they didn't want to miss it. And I just want to share with you uh, just how moved I was. She, the leader sent a message and said, you know, thank you for praying. She, she updated us with what's going on and, and how people are scared. It is dangerous. Uh, but she said it will be okay. The battle has been won. And she still came. She gathered. She led the kids. And she interviewed each one. And they all just thanked us. In the midst of this war, they're thanking us for sending these Bible study materials and for the hope that they have and they were clinging to their Bible and their Bible study. And you could see in their eyes that, yes, they were scared. They had been through a lot and they will still go through a lot, but yet there was hope. And I I just was moved to tears and overwhelmed at the fact that despite war and bombings, they would come and gather that they didn't want to miss a lesson, and they're clinging to the hope that is their anchor. And it reminded me of 2 Chronicles 32, 7 through 8, that says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged before the king of Assyria or before the large army that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. He only has human strength, but we have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. So the people rely on the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. And that is what I saw in these kids. That yes, they're afraid. The enemy is surrounding them. Their future is unknown and uncertain. But yet, they were strong and courageous, clinging to the word of God and the hope that is within it. So I just want to encourage you to pray fiercely for our brothers and sisters pray for peace and an end to this conflict, but pray that they would be sustained, that they would continue to be strong and courageous. And it encouraged me to hide God's word in my heart and that when things get hard and when things get scary, what is pouring out of me and what I saw pouring out of those kids was the hope that they have in Jesus and the fact that it is going forward to the ends of the earth. And so thank you for sending that material, for encouraging our church partners, and thank you for praying and tuning in today. 